Hello, and welcome back to Modern Animism. I am your podcast host, Sarah Jane, and today will be a follow-up discussion on the spirituality of pets. We ask the question of whether free will actually exists. Free will is quite enticing as a concept. It makes us feel powerful, as if we get to make our own choices. But, free will isn't something that occurs in all philosophies, is linked to the Abrahamic religions of Islam, Judaism and Christianity, and is quite negative. It pulls us into war and aggression, and makes us decide what exactly it means to be good. Free will is linked to monotheism, religions where one God exists, mainly because in multi-theistic societies, problems can be seen as occurring due to opposing forces of gods arguing of different points of view clashing, rather than about specifics of what exactly good means and who is correct in their definition. Whereas, in monotheistic societies, where it's just humanity and our god, the problems that occur in life can only exist because of problems between one of the two participating parties. And as we have been taught, God is omnipotent and omnipresent. It must fall to us as humans that are failing. And therefore we become indoctrinated into believing that we as humans are the sinners and we need to be saved. Except, there's been a lot of movement to what it means to be a sinner recently. Most people have made some kind of compromise within themselves, and I'm sure the majority would not consider adultery to be a sin, nor homosexuality, nor greed and gluttony. The concepts of sin, evil, and even in badness, are subjective. They move around according to some hidden rules administered in our society. But all of this falls back into the concept of polarity, of this otherness that I mentioned in my last podcast. It was as if we only had two choices, to do right or wrong, to be responsible or irresponsible, with no grey area in between. And at a certain point of population growth, all religions started to operate in this manner. The reason for this is the breaking of oral traditions and movement into a written school of theology. A written theology had the benefits of teaching more people. It was important for everyone to be following an identical code of ethics. It gave us a sense of nationalism, community and togetherness that's achieved when we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. But these practices were unknown within animism, which is still practiced as an oral tradition in smaller community-based groups. Additionally, free will and learning to make the right choices ushered us into an era of intellectualism. Problems which occurred within intellectualism is that it can't be applied equally to all species. 
so therefore it promotes the superiority of the human animal at the expense of other species, and indeed of all other objects. Monotheism, wreck thought, moral decision making, has the added complication of being associated with war and persecution. Yet religions with many gods are much less likely to be involved in conflict. They normally don't deal in these kinds of absolutes of good and evil, of one making one specific choice when there are so many other options. Multi-theistic traditions understand that every person has received training that is unique to their own specific experience and value all these different contributions as creating a whole. And then of course there's a whole hierarchy and institutionalism regarding free will because of which directions you need to take and the choices you make are always going to be related to getting the best teaching, access to the best resources. And as I mentioned in the last podcast, a lack of institutionalism is a key aspect of animism. So just recapping, free will is closely connected with moral reasoning. It links to monotheism, which sets strict parameters regarding the uses and meaning behind the human souls. And that in turn was the method we utilised to gain entrance to heaven. However, and once again, since the 17th century in the Age of Enlightenment, changes have happened in society and these have influenced modern culture. There's been a break away from institutionalised form of faith and indeed of all forms of institutionalism in favour of self-belief and self-empowerment. And we can see from the Age of Enlightenment onwards more people are taking personal accountability for their faith rather than accepting just purely what they were taught. And we have evidence for this through a rise in mediumship, faith healing, seances and healing affirmations for empowerment. We see changes in philosophy and ethics in this period, again towards personal accountability. It's the whole shebang. The whole society alters. And actually, once again, it's during this age of enlightenment we get the first instances of music appearing in church, as musical instruments become more affordable for the rise of the middle classes. The creation of the middle class means that more power and responsibility sits within the community. It's not about an us and them situation anymore. And through that, there's opportunities for growth and financial reward. And that's been an important aspect of social change. All of the Abrahamic religions which utilise free will are predominantly concerned with orthodoxy. Orthodoxy literally translates as right thought. It's important to have the right books, take the right lessons and be skilled in the right sorts of ethics to become orthodox. The opposite of orthodoxy is not unorthodoxy. 
is orthopraxic. Orthopraxy is concerned with gaining the right practical experience rather than the right thought. Animism, especially traditional animism, is an orthopraxic religion, where the right actions and right observances are more important than knowing how the whole system functions. You practice through festivals, through community activity, and the whole essence of giving and belonging, rather than just entertaining specific thoughts. And we see an example of that in modern animism is appearing in our society when I spoke of tree dressing and of wassailing and all these other community ventures, the action expression of modern animism, that people come together to achieve something or to put on something that embraces all aspects of our community. The processes we saw in the past were similar. For example, we find people coming out into their society and we gained um, practical skills of faith, healing and mediumship. And we see that it was people out in the community who felt this sense of empowerment, who were going out teaching. And this was an essential stepping stone in towards us gaining animism and other forms of paganism. It bridges a gap and that takes us towards those pagan religions through self-empowerment and social activity. And again, there's only a short gap between mediumship and seances that we saw in the 17th century to us believing in supernatural forces. And again, that brought us back to animism and neo-paganism. But having explained the changes in society and free will, how do we even prove that free will exists? let alone that we are moving away from it as a concept. What evidence do we have that it was ever even important in our lives? And there are several scientific explanations that deny free will. And this is important because we actually look at the modern science in modern animism. Our beliefs have changed and evolved because of new ideas, so we must seek to embrace them. So the first scientific principle that we're looking at today is confabulation. And this is a process in your brain where the brain backfills missing information. For example, if you're programmed hypnotically to follow a set of instructions, your brain would then backfill the information to make your irrational behavior feel more normal so that all the brainwashing we receive from society, and that includes traffic signs and things that govern our behavior, they're subconsciously programmed. We're never physically given instructions on how to stop at traffic lights. These are society rules. We pick them up through the activity of other people and the confabulation makes these activities appear normal. So in this sense, we never have any free will because we're following these unspoken and ungiven rules. And a lot of the time, like when you're driving, you're just following on autopilot. You never notice that there are instructions that you are obeying. Confabulation also um, covers up our negative behavior. 
if we consider our own lives, we get a sense of purpose. But a lot of this is actually imagined or perceived purpose. We are stuck in our behaviour. If we do something, let's call it something A, and in our brain we're doing this because of things that have happened previously, B, C and E. And the brain will move away some of the options that are unnecessary, as if they never existed, to make us feel as if we are actually following a pattern of behaviour. In this way we're constantly building a narrative of our life, and that narrative gives us a sense of destiny and purpose. We perceive that we'll always become something in the future because of how we were brought up in the past. There was always that inkling that this thing would occur. But actually, the brain has cherry-picked the information to make us feel like we have a purpose, that we have something to achieve, that we have something that gives us our ambitions. And this is a survival mechanism of the brain. It forces to expand and carry on outwards to give us a sense of belonging. And again, it feeds into that sense of otherness that there are outsiders, there are other things, and there are things here in our experience, and there are other things outside. So it's the basis of our polarity and our sense of good and bad. So how can we have free will when our brain constantly misrepresents our experiences? Events that we might have no responsibility before become owned, and vice versa. Things that we have done, we disinherit. We cannot prove that we're not just programmed by society to behave in a certain manner. In fact, we can't even prove that we haven't received brainwashing. We can't even prove that any of our experiences are real. The second argument against free will, modern science, that I'm going to discuss today is alternate or parallel world theory. And I did some research on this before we started. But it is currently suggested there are infinite number of universes outside our own. And they can work out how many universes there are, specifically by measuring the shrinking, contraction and expansion of our own universe. Whilst the multiverse might be infinite and have no time limit, but there is a finite measurement within our world and they've used this to work out how many other worlds exist. I can't uh, give you an exact number because I don't know how to feed this number, but it is fairly infinite. And there is a belief by many people that there are alternative selves to ourselves living almost identical lives in these other worlds. Given the large number that there are, it seems highly possible. And in maths, the concept of the singularity theorem becomes important, where we work out the number of choices and options that we make as a human, and we need them to be higher than the number of universes that could potentially exist and that would be the only way that uh, that parallel worlds would exist if we have more choices than worlds and unfortunately it actually comes to pass that there are more options than there are 
possibilities for alternate worlds. That means that we're not going to have alternate selves. It does give us a sense that our decision making is our own. Um, so it does in some way feed into the belief that we do have free will. We're not just programmed because one set of selves goes one direction and the other set goes the opposite way. There isn't enough universes for that to happen and occur in. However, it doesn't rule out the fact that alternative world theory is important. It does imply that we will have parallel lives and we will have parallel selves, but that not all our choices are going to be matched. It's more probable that our two lives will have moments of convergence. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Sliding Doors movie, but it seems as if our choices will all ultimately end up at the same point where we will reconverge. And our outcomes over the long term might quite possibly lead to the same ending. We'll always come back to making the same decision. So despite the concept of randomization, that we do make our own decisions, what evidence do we have that we're not always going to come back to that same point? What evidence do we have that when we do make decisions and we're given the choice to act morally, how do we know that we're not actually going to always come back to a point that was always destined? So in this sense, we actually do deny the concept of free will. For how do we know that any of our decision making has any effect? And I must also, while I'm on the discussion of free will, bring us back to the feeling of the holographic universe. The sense that we might not even be here at all. But how do we know that anything that we see really exists or can be perceived? And I want to return this to the concept of modern animism now and just come back to come back to some of our belief because what does it matter whether or not human experience is real does it even matter if we can't intellectually fathom something if something that we perceive holds to be true it's still acceptable to work through alternate truths to believe that things are not how we perceive them provided we're still seeing the value in these other opportunities, in these other examples. And does it really matter if we're pro-programmed? Does it matter if we're brainwashed into acting a certain way? Because intellect and our activities are not actually the most important part of our experience. And in many senses, modern animism doesn't conform to our society's preset values. We abandon orthodoxy in favour of practical skills and community and integration with the other species. Seeing that other objects are as valuable as to us as any other aspect that is offered to us. As for the parallel world theories, the idea of alternative selves still 
fulfills our belief in a web of souls that when we rise, we all rise together. That everything we do, we do for a collective rather than from ourselves alone. And whilst free will was given to us as an option of gaining a moral soul, there are many flaws within this philosophy. There's no proof of free will. We haven't learned any moral decision making. And if we do receive anything, it's something elitist and speciest and ableist. It empowers a sense of intellectualism. And importantly, these other religions from around the world, they don't believe in free will at all. It's not useful to their faith. And alternatives to learning through free will will include karma, or instead of learning through experience, we're just burning off previous wrongdoing or past life experiences. But as animists, we still don't believe in karma because it's linked to intellectualism. But the third option, which is more important to us, is the idea of causality, which you might specifically know as the butterfly effect, whereby an event occurs and it there will go on to influence us. And we believe in that because it links back to our web of souls. And I'm going to look at causality and animism on the next podcast about causality, um, in which we follow um, the butterfly effect. And the question is, and the butterfly effect and the interconnectedness between all life. So thanks for living. Thanks for listening. Thanks for living. And I look forward to speaking to you again later. <laughs>